Hey everybody, welcome to Max Effort Kitchen. Got a really cool episode for you here. Uh, went to a buddy's gym, trained in the gym, put in a hard squat session, and then plugged in the mics and uh, put down a podcast. And it was a uh, great conversation, so sit back and enjoy the show. guys, welcome to Max Effort Kitchen. i uh, got a great show for you today. Really excited about this one. We've been uh, talking about this for a while. I have my uh, very good friend, um, training partner, teammate, uh, pretty much neighbor, Mr. Uh, Eric Dahl. What's up, guys? Welcome, dude. Thanks for coming on. Absolutely. Super excited to finally get to talk about food. I know. <laughs> Me too. Because there, there's one thing about um, you is that you, uh, you're, you're a creator. You, mm-hmm. you make things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're a welder. I mean, you, you walk into your garage, and it is a hodgepodge of stuff you make, and I love it. A, lo- a lot of half-made. Yeah, but that, there's <laughs> something about that, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I, I want to jump right into it because I, I, I'm, I find something very unique and special about the way you cook and your food and, mm-hmm. and your um, overall outlook on food. So talk to us a little bit about, like, you know, what you do your everyday life, and then go into, like, some influence on where, you know, the food influence in your life. You know, start off, like, I'm a, for lack of a, I, I strive to be a craftsman, mm. right? Um, by trade, I'm a welder. Um, I enjoy woodworking, and I really, really enjoy cooking as, like, it's it's an easy thing to do to create like you said yeah. and make something and it's not gonna kill me if i fail right if yeah. i if i screw up like you know not right now i have a couple expensive pieces of wood but you know it's like your dad was yeah. a woodworker yeah. you know you have a 250 dollar plank of wood and one screw up and it's garbage right 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 so when i'm building stuff like that like it's really nerve-wracking as far as food's concerned, my only concern is that it's edible. And, yeah. like, if the kids don't like it, that's fine. They can – there's something that they can eat. If Sarah doesn't like it, same thing. Like, usually she'll tough it, tough it out. But um, I will damn near eat anything as a kind of like a teaching moment for myself. You nice. know, like, yeah. okay, yeah. punish yourself by consuming this because you're not going to waste food unless it's really bad, which I have had a few of those. But <laughs> We all have. Um, but for the most part, it's one. I have a real hard time tasting food as a cook. Okay, and we've talked about that. Yes. Um, I don't know why that is. It's like I just, I don't know if it's, you know, you talked about on a previous episode about what it's the difference between a chef and a cook. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's knowing flavors. Yes. It's understanding. Understanding flavors. flavors. Yeah. And I yeah. don't understand how, like, I understand how to create a flavor that I'm looking for, mm-hmm. right, by mm-hmm. the product that I purchase, right, right, that I'm putting into that. But as far as, like, seasons and spices and stuff like that, it's pretty much, I'm just, like, it's a crapshoot, literally. Like, it's just, like, I put it in my hand, like, okay, that's enough. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you, know? you know, that's, and then a lot of that is trial by error. 
And that's how a lot of people learn. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I, it's the same way with like, so uh, today on lunch, my, you know, my boss was like, hey, let's go swing the golf clubs. Mm -hmm. Like he's learning how to golf. And, and my thing, I, we went out there for 30 minutes and we hit some balls and, and he goes, man, I just don't understand. I, you know, my lessons and I'm doing this and that. And I look at him and go, listen, I didn't take lessons. I just learned by doing it. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing with food. Yeah. You know, you learn and you try flavors. You know, you're going to get into um, an area where there is um, flavors are combined in a very traditional way. Mm -hmm. You know, there's specific uh, spices that go together to make traditional dishes. Yeah. But that's not what we're doing. Here. Mm -mm. You're making something that is going to satisfy your senses. Yeah. And everybody's senses and palate is different. Yeah. And that's what I love about food. It's so subjective. Yeah. So when you're cooking, like what, you know, you're saying you're not understanding flavors, but what is your objective? My objective is to make it edible, really. I mean, uh, so yeah. like, I guess, so mm, let's see. What, so what, two days ago? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Two days ago, um, made soup of Toscana. Right. Right. Very traditional. Yeah. And usually, so back, let's fucking back way up. So. My mom taught me how to cook when I was a kid. Okay. Right? Um, my Both my grandmothers, like my mom's mom taught me how to cook while camping. Right. Um, and my dad's mom, traditional Irish, uh, married into a Norwegian family. And so there was a lot of like day, like full day long, home cooking, stroganoff, lots yeah. of cream sauces, that yep. stuff like that. Right? Yeah. So. I hate stroganoff. Like the smell, I can smell it like four houses away, oh. and it's just like because she she would make a vat of it, yeah, yeah, and freeze it all. And when all the grandkids came over for the weekend for our parents to get away and do whatever the hell, she right. would be like, we'd be like, we're hungry, She'd be like go thaw something out. That's awesome, <laughs> you know. And so like I grew that's to awesome. grew to hate, yeah, that. But um, but that's kind of my upbringing. It was just, you know, a lot of. A lot of old world recipes mm -hmm. that are very simple. Yeah. Um, not a lot of uh, punchy taste. Yeah. Right? Not a lot of spice. Not yeah. a lot of heat. Um, but just a lot of heart, mm -hmm. a lot of love, mm -hmm. and a lot of utilizing, like I said, the raw product right. to influence the taste. Yeah. The, the flavor, the end the product. So with the Zupa Toscana, you know, it's Italian sausage. Whatever kind of bacon you can get, yep. it's and super celery, onion, garlic, kale, and potatoes. Yeah, like it's yeah. it's and cream and, and chicken broth. Like yeah. it's it's the easiest thing to do. But Sarah, she like what was it? Her sister made it, and she makes it on the stove. I've never made it on the stove. I use my instant pot, okay. and it, thirty minutes and it's done, and it's bomb. <laughs> but, <laughs> but but so. It's it's so easy, but I try to get the best Italian sausage I can get. Right. Right. I've yet to take actually get like sausage in casings right. and break it up and do that. That's like my next step because I feel like for whatever reason, in the little bit of research I've done on it, and you, you tell me if I'm wrong, but that typically that type of sausage is going to be a better quality. Yeah, it's a better grain. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So for sure. But I try to find the best quality sausage, right? Yeah. Um, typically, organic, grass-fed kind of stuff. Like, try to find something as raw mm -hmm. and natural as possible. And then with the bacon, if I can find, like, an Italian 
or a, a cured bacon of yeah. some sort, like a, um, I mean, a butcher. Like a pancetta. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say for a second, but. Yeah, no, no. Pancetta is like, it's Italian bacon. Mm-hmm. Exactly. The little round ones. Yeah. Um, so like start with that mm-hmm. and with those two ingredients, you can't go wrong. You really can't. No, you don't even have like salt and pepper to taste a little bit. Yeah. But it's, it's not, it's not rocket science. As long as, as long as the only thing you got to worry about is hot or not. Like yeah. what your family's going to, if you want the kids to eat, get, don't get the spicy shit. Like, and it, if it's just you and the wife, like throw it in there. You're going to get more flavor out of it. Right. Well, you make a, you make a really good point and I, and I hope people really heard what you said there is you're taking the highest quality products mm-hmm. and combining them. You know what that does? That makes less work for you. Exactly. It lets the product speak for itself. Mm-hmm. One tip on the sausage. Maybe grab, your, grab the most bland sausage you can find. Season it yourself. See, so that's the story about last the two nights <laughs> ago. <laughs> See, I love this. So Sarah comes home because she was like, I, I don't want to cook. You're going to cook, and you're going to cook this. Yeah. I was like, okay. She was yeah. like, I'm, and then I came in the kitchen like two seconds later. She's chopping everything up. I'm like, yes, mm-hmm. you're doing the hard part. Mm-hmm. And but she got a country sausage mm-hmm. and regular bacon, which is the regular bacon's fine. That's what I usually use. But right. the country like breakfast sausage. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, what do I do? And it actually turned out really freaking good. Just oh, like, like the fat was different. Yeah, like way different. But I just through like two tablespoons of oregano, yeah, a little bit of thyme, yep. and uh, probably twice as much pepper as I usually do, yeah, and less salt, and it came out great. See, that, and I love that because you took what you knew mm-hmm. and you applied it to something that was you're like problem solving, yeah. And it, it's just like what you said with that piece of wood, right? You know, you get that two hundred fifty dollar piece of wood, you screw it up, you're like shit. Same thing with meat. Like you get out there and you find that um, that tenderloin. Mm-hmm. You cut it into a bunch of filet mignons. You're not going to screw that shit up oh, because if you dude. do, a you're going to be ridiculed by me from my house. <laughs> I know, right? Um, B you're going to look at that and be like, I just threw away like fifty bucks. Like you know. Yeah. And so um, being a craftsman, I think that uh, your mind really works well in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the way you eat. You eat in a way that is um, it is beneficial to what you do on the platform. Mm-hmm. You eat that is beneficial for your family. Um, but you bring a very uh, cool aspect, which is uh, cooking for necessity. Mm-hmm. You know, you when I see the posts you put online and, and the things that you're doing, like drinking egg whites, on raw <laughs> egg whites... I'm looking at my mind like they're pasteurized. Not, yeah, I know. They're pasteurized. I know. I'm like, I'm not going to do that, but I love that because it is. There's something so um, to the core of being a man that is like, that's what a man is in the kitchen. You're cooking for necessity to provide, mm-hmm. and that's what we do as men, right? Mm-hmm. So talk about where where that came from. I know you said you got a lot of old world stuff, and your mom taught you that, yeah. but um, you know. From my standpoint, moms can teach you how the recipes and the love and the heart. Mm-hmm. Where did the necessity, where did the providing so, come from? I lived with my parents until I was 19, right? Yeah. So lived with my parents until I was 19. And I got, this is an interesting story. I got fired from my job. Mm-hmm. And on my way to, uh, on my way home from getting fired from my job, 
Um, a buddy called me and said, hey, we're going surfing. I was like, okay, yeah, sign me in. I'll be at your house <laughs> yeah. in the morning. Right. Like 2 a.m. in the morning to get out to Cannon Beach to surf, yeah, right? Totally. So I knew we were going overnight. So I packed for overnight. A week later. <laughs> a week later? A week oh, later. Dang. Luckily, we had friends over there with right. houses so we could do right. our laundry and shit. Totally. But, um, yeah, so we just scraped together whatever we could to make it happen. And a week later, I'm coming home, and my best friend who moved to Bellingham calls me. is like, hey, first games this weekend. He's playing for Western Washington University. Go nice. Vikings. Nice. Um, and... He was like, hey, man, our first games this weekend come up. I'd love for you to – and it, it, it was like Friday morning. Right. I'm rolling through t- – I'm, I'm going underneath the overpass of I-5 right. to my parents' house. And I'm like, oh, what time's the game? It's like, you got to be at the gate at 6 o'clock. I was like, perfect. Yeah. Went home and packed for a weekend. <laughs> like – did a load of laundry, packed for a weekend, got back on the road, filled the tank. Oh. Nice. Three hours of belly in. And um, so I get there, go to the game. Like, didn't didn't stop at his house, nothing. Just went straight to the game, went and sat in the nosebleeds to watch the Like, didn't know a soul. Right. And watched the game, hook up afterwards, and I end up staying up there for a week. Wow. And he's like, hey, man, I have one more, one room left. I was like, that's awesome. I just got fired. I have nothing to do for the summer. Right. That's cool, <laughs> man. And so I, I, I moved in with my buddy, Jock, and uh, another guy from the football team, and a nerdy guy named Jeff. He okay. pretty much stayed in his room. But super super nice kid. Right. Got, he was like, he was the oldest one. He's like three years older than everybody. He was a junior, and we're all like freshmen, right? Okay. Um, but I came from living with my parents. And my mom cooked every night, right? Right. To, all right, I'm the only one that's not going to the university, and I'm working part-time and going to community college. So other than sit around and drink beer and eat fast food, I got to cook to make the food that I want to make. So on, like, zero budget. (laughs) (laughs) Right. That's where the most interesting flavors come from. Exactly. So, like, you don't have milk. You can make macaroni and cheese with beer. Oh, you sure can. You can make it with a lot of things, right? A lot of things. Yeah. I mean, I learned about putting eggs on ramen, like yep. pe- like peanut butter, peanut butter, eggs, and ramen. Best. Oh, my God. Right. So freaking good. Yeah. But, like, things like that. And, like, I was cooking. I ended up, like, I was one day I was just cooking for myself, mm-hmm. and half of the freaking football team shows up. Oh. And now, I'm like, now you have an audience. I'm like okay you guys hungry yeah i was like okay i'll be back went to hagen mm-hmm. it was just down there like mm-hmm. five minute walk right right so i go and i buy like three packages of chicken thighs and i don't know how many boxes of angel hair whatever pasta box pasta right right and a bunch of broccoli and i just did i like basically used every seasoning that i could find that i knew went together right and i ended up I don't know, probably three to four nights out of the week, I was cooking for 10 plus people. Wow. And Jeez. that's, and, and I'm like, they'd come over and they'd, they'd give me cash or they'd bring food for me to cook. 
And I'm like, I'm cooking on a freaking George Foreman. Like, I had zero, I mean, you know, college, it was a college house. Right. No utensils. Yeah. Like, bare minimum. You had a, a probably a knife, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. exactly. And it wasn't that good of a knife. Right. But, but still, like, that's where that came from. And it just, it just rolled with that. And then I, I ended up moving in with another buddy that moved up a year and a half later. And um, another kid from Kelso. And he was Samoan. And so he had this whole, like, you know, Pacific Island rice and, yeah. and just weird different flavors. I'm like, oh, my God, teach me. Yeah. You know, so I picked up some some stuff from him. And it just kind of just grew with that. And now when I cook, it's Sarah will, like, she'll find something on Pinterest and send it to me. I'm like, okay, I think I can do that. And I'll stop by the store and I'll forget something on the list. Right. And Always my, do. And my Always do. man mind is yeah. like, oh, I'm not going to look at the app. Nope. And so I get home like, shit. Okay. Well, what do I have? Yep. Start improvising. Exactly. Yeah. And it just, it, every time she's like, she doesn't, she doesn't no, notice it. Right. I, I don't, I don't notice the difference because I never tasted it the right way. Right. You know? Yeah. So like, it's fucking bomb. So let's eat it. What's the right way though? Because well, food, okay. is, food I, is so subjective. I should say that it doesn't. It, if somebody else cooked it to the recipe, I see. Okay, you know yeah. that's yeah. It, quote unquote right way, um, and because I'm sure mine tastes different. But at mm-hmm. the same time, even if every kitchen's different, mm-hmm. you know you could. We could both pick the same recipe, and you cook it, cook it at your house, and I cook it at my house. It's yeah. gonna taste different. Guaranteed. Yeah. Even if we measure out everything the same, like it's just hundred percent because your process is going to be very regimented, right? And mine is fucking not. <laughs> well, there's so much to, in cooking that goes with the technique, mm-hmm. and you kind of talk, you hit on that a bit. Where like you said, your sister in law, she you know always cooks it on the stove. You're doing it in the pressure cooker. Mm-hmm. You're getting two different products there, right? Oh, because absolutely. Because of, of the way the heat and time, and I talk about this a lot. What influences food the most when you're cooking it? It's time and temperature, mm-hmm. those two things. Um, those can make or break, or even it, it'll just make the same dish completely different, mm-hmm. right? So it's interesting that you talk about that because... Mine's better, by the way. <laughs> I was waiting for you to throw that in. Um, so it's interesting that you talk about the, the technique or you know, and, and your understanding that. As far as utensils... What, what would you say your favorite utensil in the kitchen is? Like, what is something is your go-to? Every time? Every time. It all depends on the meal. Okay. Um, I, no, okay, not the meal, the protein. Okay. Um, most of the time, I have a, just a, a 12-inch Lodge cast iron pan that I'm, I've modified. Yeah. I kind of <laughs> loaded that question because I knew that. <laughs> so, I modified it because... So Finex cast iron is right. here in Portland. Yep. And as many times as I've asked for one of their pans, <laughs> I've yet to get it because yeah. they're $300. I know. A lodge is not. And I'm lucky enough to have I don't the, the knowledge or just the whatever. I know that I can take a grinder yeah. and make the bottom smooth. Yes, you can. Right? Yep. And when I did that, it changed everything. Mm-hmm. So... I can do scallops on that pan, and they're perfect. And there's no uh, like, and I season my pans correctly. Like they, they're always good. But the difference between the non, the non modified, like the regular off the shelf, right. and mine, night and day. 
See, folks, this is why it pays to be a craftsman. <laughs> and this is why when I walk into Eric's garage, it's like I feel at home. Because um, you're not just accepting food for what it is. You're not accepting the pan for what it is. Mm -hmm. You're saying, I know what I want to make. I know how I want to do this, and I'm going to get it done. Yeah. And there's something really inspiring about that, especially for me in the kitchen. Like, I, I hear that. Yeah. I have a lodge. I've had it for 13 years. I can tell you I could probably cook the same amount, same type of scallops on mine, but what you did was really cool. And I think that a lot of people need to he hear that and understand that because they think, oh, I see a recipe. I got to follow this recipe. I got to have the right utensils. I got to have the exact pan. You don't. Yeah. A recipe is just a roadmap. How you get to the end, it's going to give you steps, but it's not going to tell you exactly how that's going to taste and look and, and turn no. out. Dude, I have – okay, so I have – I've made the same cinnamon rolls now for uh, eight years. Nice. Same exact recipe. Yeah. Not once have they turned out the same. Interesting. Not fucking once. That's good because you're, you're not a production production kitchen. And it's <laughs> so, so damn – like the very first time I did them, they were perfect bomb. Right. Could not believe it. So now like the kids ask for them. They're, they're fucking delicious. Right. But the second time I made them, fail. Still ate them, fail. Just the, the well, dough was the 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 dough wasn't right. Yeah. Um, I guess that's probably the the downfall for me is when I'm doing because I went through a stint where I was doing breads. Oh. And I need to go get back into it, right? <laughs> like yeah. badly, uh, yeah. Because um, I didn't I didn't do it to the point where I totally understood it. Because there's so much science in the bread. Like, proteins are easy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, carbs are relatively easy. Um, spaghetti, it's hard to fuck up spaghetti. Really or easy. noodles yeah. in general. Yeah. Um, there's so many different kinds. But, like, I couldn't even begin to think about how to make an egg noodle. Or, right. like, some of the um, Eastern Asian regional. Like the glass noodles. And yeah. Like, like yeah, stuff totally. like that. Like, yeah. there's, again, time. Yes. And repetitions. Yes. And like there's you watch these videos of them stringing this dough out and like so beautiful. How yeah. How yeah. they do that. And then they just throw it in the pot, it comes out and it's freaking amazing and beautiful. Right. Um, but I never understood again, time and temperature. Yeah. Just not in cooking, in in rising and ah, proofing yes. and stuff like that. And I don't I don't understand that. Yeah. And I so I did those – the second time I did the um, the cinnamon rolls, I didn't have as much um, – the first time I did them, they were bomb. The second time I did them, I was like, okay, I don't need – my timing was off because, right. you know, you're making cinnamon rolls. you got to wake up ass early. Yes. And I didn't. Yeah. Or – yeah. And then so they were late and, like, the the yeast didn't hit right and stuff like that, so they weren't as good. They weren't as fluffy. The second time I made them, I made the dough the night before. Nice. I was like, I'm gonna throw it in the fridge. I was just gonna tell you that. Yep. And however, you do that with this particular dough, right. or maybe it was just this particular batch. But I think I've done it three times now, and every time it comes out just about the same. Yeah. It gets really gummy. Oh, like that, it's just more dense on okay. the outside of the cinnamon roll. Okay. Um, and I don't like that, and I've done it now. The last time I did it, I didn't do it overnight. I got up early on time and made it properly, and the yeast was good, 
and everything, and it just they, those ones came out almost as good as the first ones. Okay. Um, the thing I did change was the last three times I made them, I cook them in my cast iron. That's and, and that's that's a go-to all the time. Yeah. One thing about breads and yeast that, that um, you need to keep in mind is your environment. Mm-hmm. You know how what's the temperature outside? What temperature of water are you using? So humidity. Humidity is a big <laughs> thing, especially in Oregon. Like we have uh, so at Pizzicato, we have twelve different restaurants, and every restaurant's pizza dough has a tweak to it based off of their environment, mm-hmm. what the temperature outside versus the temperature of the water they're using. Oh shit! Elevation. Elevation. That's another thing, <laughs> and it's so you are one hundred percent on the dot when you say it's a science experiment because that's the way I explain it. Culinary, you're you're just a mad science uh, scientist. On the baking side of things, if you don't follow that to a T, it ain't working. That's yeah. all there is to it. It yeah. isn't going to work. Yep. And um, I think that a lot of people need to hear that, especially from somebody like yourself, is like, well, I, you know, I, I, I did it the same way, and it's just not turning out right. I've done it five different times, and it's been five different ways. You've made it in the fall, then you made it in the spring, then you right. made it in the winter, and then right. you made it in the summer. Exactly. So it's like, okay, what's going on here? And yeast, you know, that's a, that's a live product. Mm-hmm. So how are we incorporating the yeast? Are we letting them rise first? Are we letting them eat the sugars first? And then, so there's so many things. But you don't need to know all that, no. right? You just need to try it. Get in the kitchen and try it. Yeah, yeah. figure it out. Yeah. And like, the more I do it, the like, I can, I can almost tell you each time what I did different. Like, like the dough is the hardest part of bread period it like, is like absolutely cinnamon rolls however cornell and i were were talking we got a i got to buy a new um belgian waffle maker like a proper one yeah to do double size cinnamon rolls and then cut them in half and put them in the yeah waffle I've, maker. I've done that before or just cut one up before fantastic. like he's talking about doing them you put them in the waffle iron before you like you don't cook them you just put the like you roll them, cut them thin, yeah. and put them in the waffle maker. And so I want to try that. But. You know, you know the waffle he eats, that big one that he talks mm-hmm. about a lot. It's called a Liège waffle, mm-hmm. and all that means it's a French style waffle that has yeast in it, because most waffles don't have yeast in. Belgian waffle does not have yeast in no. it. So you make that dough the night before. You let it rise and you put this uh, pearl sugar in it. Yep. And then you cook it in your waffle iron, and it is the most glorious goddamn thing I have ever eaten. It's like you can put them in your freezer and pull them out and just like thaw it out, and it's like candy. You're oh. just eating it because it's like you're getting these crunches of sugar and this outside layer of caramelization. You put like Bananas Foster over that, oh. you're, you're done. So it's like it's – No it's, wonder he's a 109. I know, exactly. Every Used time he talks about it, I'm like screaming at the podcast, it's a Liege waffle. Like he know, And I know he knows. But yeah. it's it's um it's such a cool thing. Baking is is one thing that challenges the heck out of me, but that's why I love to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I love to incorporate my kids with it because then they can see. And this is something that uh, the kitchen had brought to my life, which was structure. Right. Yeah. So incorporating my kids to understand structure within life mm-hmm. because they see structure within the kitchen. So yeah. um, talk about that. Do you uh, do you and Delaney cook together at ever? We do. Uh, breakfast is the easiest thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times cooking dinner, um, depending on the meal, usually like she, she's, she asks to help a lot. Yeah. Um, she's not quite at the age where she's 
that I would feel comfortable with her using my knives. No. Because no, yeah, yeah. my knives are deathly sharp. Yeah, most, as they should mo- be. Most of the time. As they should be. <laughs> they're, they're sharp no matter what, but there's right. my good knife. is It's at the point where I need to go spend 100 bucks on a stone and, and make it sharp. Totally. Um, but anyhow, like so that part of it, like, but the measuring, she's she knows how to measure. She understands it a little bit, but like that kind of stuff, absolutely. Kaylee, um, seventeen years old, like she's gonna move out after high school and know how to cook. Like she is, like she can cook a meal by that's herself. Fantastic. Um, that's that's a lot from her dad. Um, that's a lot from her mom. That's a lot, a little bit from me. Like all I did, all I ever did with her was cook breakfast. Yeah. But I mean that's that's like the easiest fucking thing in the world. But it's the most bonding part because that's like the, yeah, I was just gonna because like that. there was a time when you know I her mom makes really good pancakes. Okay, I put orange juice in my pancakes. Ooh, I kind of like that. So it's cinnamon, vanilla, and half milk, half orange juice. Okay, but you put the milk in after. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Yeah, there's a little citrus element to it, dude. Huh. Yeah. I'm gonna so try anyhow, I'm not so, so I had the best pancakes yeah. for a long time. Okay. Okay. So, but she like she saw that she like she's seen me experiment with bread and like I did I I've done focaccia I've done um what's the what's the oh what's the other one what's the big big flat loaf uh, I'm not sure uh, what's an Italian loaf baguette no it's no. big it's freaking anyhow yeah um. But, like, I've done French loaves that aren't, like, the, it's not French bread. It's not Italian bread. It's not a sourdough loaf of any kind. Right, right. right. So that's what I like to do, and that's what I like to experiment with. So she's seen me, like, go through the, oh, I'm going to measure this stuff out and use measuring cups. Right. Uh-uh. Failed. Yeah. Like, the first one I did, it came out okay. Right. Second one, nope. Third one, nope. And then I started using my scale that I use to measure food for eating, like, like for meal prepping. And it's no matter what, I don't care if I have to go to the store and buy a new one, I will not make bread without a scale, and you shouldn't. Absolutely <laughs> not. You, listen, a scale is like a utensil that you should always have in your oh, kitchen. Oh, it's, it's like a good frying pan. Like, you have to have you one. You have to have one. Um, because it's the most exact way to cook. Well, especially by, when by you're way. dealing, like, when you're dealing with yeast, mm-hmm. like, your yeast count is going to be really close to the same. Like, I brewed beer for... 10 years right and your yeast count out from the store is going to be really close every single time yeah and so you need to take the same amount that that lab took when they were creating that packet of yeast into how you're going to feed it and if you're not giving it the right amount of sugars and the right amount of proteins then it's not going to turn out right and and on top of that like flour is a finicky bitch like it it compacts weird It, it does it mixes weird it it just and there's a million different flowers on the market exactly and that's you know, it so different that's protein levels different carb levels like it's crazy yeah. and it's regional too yeah 100 so, so like you can get a flower that's a u.s flower mm-hmm. right that's made on the west coast and then you get one from this from the midwest or from or from the east side and different climate different proteins different like it's completely different even though it's still just a standard all-purpose flower yeah you know, and then if you get into European flowers, like that's a whole nother fucking ball game because you're really talking is. about an older grain that has less GMOs, it has less, ah. less fucking around with. Yes. Like, 
everything on the planet now is GMO. If you like, just look at dog breeds. That will yeah. tell you everything you need to know. Yep. Like whether you think about it or not, the first time somebody took this piece of wheat and said, "Huh, I'm going to germinate this other kind of wheat," some farmer a hundred years ago, yeah, to make a better quality product, right? Right. Just to that's genetically modified. So don't get all high and mighty with me yeah. about fucking non-GMO bullshit because everything's GMO. Yeah. Humans yeah. are GMO. Yeah, you've heard me talk <laughs> about this a million times. Like the the, the seeds are GMO. So. But if you want to really go out there and try to create a food that is perfect, grow your own shit. Even then, you're dealing with seeds, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it, like it's it's impossible. So you like like I was talking about with the Zupa Descana, uh-huh. you go out and you source the best raw product you can, right? And that's going to help you in the kitchen. Like you can't 100%. like with proteins, it's easy. You go and you, if you can, you go to a farmer, right? Right. Or you go straight to a butcher. Or, or if you have a Whole Foods or a New Seasons or a higher quality store, you go to the butcher and say, "Hey, I want the I want you to cut me my mm-hmm. steaks, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I don't want to take the ones that you've already cut because I don't know how long they've been in the package, right? Or the ones in the in the in the case Correct. that are just stacked up there. You don't know, don't know. Yeah. So that was the one thing that my dad taught me um, was he heart well back then when he went to buy steak because. You know, it was the 80s and the 90s, and he was a millwright. Like, we didn't have a lot of money. I mean, right. we we lived in our means, but we, like, food was not the top of our our list of things yeah. because it was like we did things. We had horses. We had a boat. Like, we, right. we you know, we enjoyed our lives. Um, but so when we went to get steak, even if it was T-bones or whatever, it was like once a month he'd go and actually buy good steaks, and he'd go and – We'd go up and he'd go to the butcher and they'd cut them right there on the spot for him. That's awesome. You know, and he and he explained it back then as for the, that exact same thing. You'd never know. You really he, don't. He, he never buys. He does prime rib at like twice a year. He never buys the prime rib off the shelf. He orders one in. Yeah. Right. Or he goes to the butcher up the hill and says, "Hey, I, I I'm doing a prime rib on this date. Have one ready for me." And Matt uh, Matt's custom meats up. Up in Washington. Oh yeah, that, I love it. Yeah, yeah. Dude, like, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> went to school with the kid. Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, we'll talk after this. Yeah, that's it's a funny story. How like uh, my dad and I were talking about it this weekend. Anyhow, like he'll tell him, "Hey, I want, I want this cut of meat on this day. You know, have it ready for me." He's like, "Okay." So, he, and he usually he'll cut it off the hanging whole beef or the that's side awesome. of beef the day before or the day of. My dad goes to pick it up. Yeah. That's and the best I, way to do it. Yeah. It, I mean, aside from butchering it yourself. Exactly. Which, but but all the, the, the nice part about that is, is he's getting it. But that's as local as you can get, right? Right. Because Matt doesn't – he has like a 100-mile radius that he gets beef from. Right. That he sells to – like just to open customers outside of his actual like cutting and packaging that he does for farms. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know that – this is all regional beef, yeah, and it's all graze fed, and like it's it's the best that you can get. You know what's you know what's interesting about that, and I think what really um, struck me when I first started doing that because my dad and I, my dad, my brother, and I would do the same thing, but we would raise a cow mm-hmm. and we would raise it, butcher it, cut it up three ways. Um, same with a pig, uh, raise a pig, butcher it, cut it up three ways. 
the very first thing that I noticed and that was so shocking to me is the difference in the taste. And there's a reason why that meat tastes different. Um, a, we know what we're finishing that cow with. We know mm -hmm. if we're fishing, finishing it with corn or if we're doing it with hazelnut. You know, you can taste that in the meat. You can taste the, the grain or the grass that they've been eating. Mm -hmm. um, but the other thing is going back to time, how yep. long has that steak been sitting on that, that, uh, that shelf? How many times has that steak been frozen? Yep. So I talk about this because we've we got to take the time to really find the products that are going to taste the best because mm -hmm. coming full circle, if we find the best products to cook with, it takes us out of it. Let yep. the product speak for itself. Absolutely. And that's a beautiful thing. So that, that right there, my grandmother, my dad's mom, her – okay, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to screw this up. So it was either her mom or my, my grandpa's mom. Let's see. Grandpa, <laughs> doing math here. So it. it was uh, Grandma Genevieve. She ate her steak. She get them one inch thick, yep. and a smoking hot pan. It the highest setting that it could be, right? And like ten seconds each side, and it was done. It's a woman after my heart, right there. Like seriously, like and I can't. I I can't say I can't do it, but it was you know that's back in the day where your beef was fret, like you didn't have any worries, right? Like nowadays, you're like. I'm not exactly sure, like you said, how many times was it frozen? Yep. Where did it come from? Like, yep. it's questionable. It is. You don't know how it was handled yeah. and all that. Um, but that's where that raw product, getting the best you can. You know, I grew up, my, my parents hunted. Um, we never raised any animals to, to butcher, which right. surprises me. Um, but w my dad, every year we had two whitetail and two mule deer every year. That's awesome. And, and, I love that. And, like, they would get to get their whole group of friends would get together, and they would have a butcher night, Yeah. and they would process 10 animals in That's a weekend. That's so cool. Like, that is so cool. And so we'd, like, there's, a, like, that smell. Mm -hmm. I know I, that fucking I smell. I know the smell. Yeah. And it's not a bad smell. It's no. just, it is a raw game Smell, and it not, is. But and then, but you'll the never forget it. No, and on the back side of that, never. If so, if you've ever had, I'm sure you have, but raw, like not raw, but fresh, like the deer was hanging for 15 days, yeah, and or 10 or however long, and then they cut it up, and they pull the back strap, and one of them, or the first one, gets cut up into steaks, yep. and they pan fry them, yep. in butter. And then they'll... I can taste it right dude, now. Dude. I know exactly where you're going. Oh, my God. Like, you can't, you can't beat that freshness. And, yeah. like, it's so hard to get that nowadays unless you're a hunter or, yeah. or you're butchering your own animals. And I wish that we had more of that available to us, to our kids. I know. Because, like, you have to go to Hillsboro to try to find somebody that right. has, you know, fresh meat hanging in a locker. Yep. There's a couple it just places. Happen that much anymore. No, yeah, it's super hard to find. You're like, this is full of farmland. Where the hell are all these animals? Yeah, you know. So that's like, Matt's is cool because he's found all the like he has history with this area. Mm -hmm. So he gets a lot of that meat, and that's uh, places like that. Butcher Boys. I don't even know if they're still they still exist up in Vancouver. I don't know. Um, I'm not sure. They're 
butcher shops they're a dying trade they really are and it's sad and when uh, you find one you keep it yeah exactly exactly keep on going um but anyhow man like like i said just find the best raw product you can yeah. and let like letting it speak for itself you know uh sushi's a good spot to ter- to start oh yeah you know, you can you can walk into a sushi place and you know mm. from the, one you know from the smell, yep. but two like that first first bite of fish if you're like eating proper sushi, yeah, you know you should be able to taste the quality of that fish right away and not a fishy taste exactly. Yeah, um, but you'll like I've had uh, Dorado like yeah. literally like I watched it die mm-hmm. and then they picked it up and they filleted it and cut steaks and I was I was like a uh, quarter inch yeah and he cut me like 10 quarter inch slices that's cool yeah so I had fresh dorado like fresh fresh oh. and fresh tuna on the boat see so, and if you've like, never done that you have no idea just like I was talking about with like, the, it's the cow so thing. clean it like, is the the like I haven't had salmon I've had a few buddies that have done it with salmon that's just uh, I don't know but yeah the, the cleanliness of the flavor of the tuna and the Dorado, or mahi-mahi, depending on where you're from, um, <laughs> is just, it's so crisp and so clean and so, like, delicate. It's, yeah. it's if you get a chance, you got to do it. you got to experience <laughs> it. And, that, you know, that's what food is. Food is about experiencing different things in life, right? Mm-hmm. And it, you we've touched on so many things here, but, like, food... Um, brings happiness. You know, we've talked about the family aspect. We've talked about, you know, um, the necessity aspect, the aspect of going out and remembering the smell of skinning a deer. Like mm-hmm. I had a stepdad that made me do it at nine years old. I didn't want to. I didn't. I thought it was the worst thing ever. Yeah. But every time he came home from the hunting trips, I was out there with his little buck knife skinning the deer yeah. while they, you know, did their thing with it. And it's one of those things that I hated in the moment, but I value so much right yeah. now because I'm like, that taught me how that taught me hard work. Yeah. That taught me the value of food. And I think that the value of food is really, um, it's just not, it's not at the forefront anymore. No, like if you th- the, we look at the cost of food now. Yeah. We don't look at the value of it. Right. And it's, 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 and it's it, a bad thing to do. It's sad. Like, I've I've been trying to get out and go hunting the last like three years and it sneaks up on me every year and hunt, it's so freaking difficult nowadays to I know. get a license and it, like the process and like just trying to find a place to hunt yeah. the animals are there but anyhow um, yeah man well this has been a great show dude I love it uh, I mean we could do this for probably four more hours I got to be honest mm-hmm. um, but I got one last question for you. And uh, I've been toying around with who I asked this to because it's a little bit morbid. Last meal. What is it? What are you cooking? Oh, shit. And like, if you like, say beef stroganoff, I'm going to throw something at you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. This is going to take a minute. Like full meal. Yeah. Okay. Or a protein or, you know, something in that meal that you are going to have before you go. Okay. making you think over here okay so i'm gonna do a full meal because i can't not it's, okay it's the best way to get everything that i want there you go so 
We're going to start out with uh, some fresh tuna ceviche. Okay. Um, when I say fresh, I mean fucking fresh. Yeah. Um, and then I'm going to say a dry-aged ribeye, bone-in, um, reverse-seared, oh. salt and pepper only, um, twice-baked potato, This one's hard. Wedge salad. Oh, coming out with a wedge. I like that. That's a good Blue move. Blue cheese. That's a good move. With gorgonzola on top. Yep. Um, and a, uh, oh, what the hell are those called? A pazuki. Oh, hey, look at that. <laughs> <laughs> make me hungry that's awesome that that i mean shoot you you'd go out of happy man at that <laughs> know, right? yeah um so hey anything you want to plug you want to talk uh, about uh if you haven't started listening listening listen to pfrs podcast and kilo chasers rock cut they're two different types um all based around the same thing of uh you know trying your hardest failing a little bit and getting over it yeah. and yeah, com- coming back and, and succeeding in, in whatever it is you're trying to do. Um, Raw Cut, Matt's, Matt's the uh, co-host, yeah. and we talk weightlifting and life and whatever the hell is pissing us off for the week or making know, us happy. Right? Yeah, um, it's a good place. It's we got place to be. T-shirts coming out in probably a month. We're going to do a pre-sale announcement. Yeah. Um, got a camp coming up we'll talk about on the next show. Um, yeah. if you are interested in lifting weights and eating bomb ass food and hanging out at the lake, then, yep. um, get in contact with us. Great. So. Well, follow Eric at uh, PFRS at Instagram. Yes, sir. Uh, myself at max effort kitchen Instagram. And, uh, man, again, thank you so much for coming on. I've been like thinking about this show I've for been wanting months. To do it. I've been wanting to do it. We got a great opportunity and we did it. So thanks Hell a yeah. lot, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Have a good night, everybody. Bye. Thank you.